P-S-N-Y. been it's been absolutely brutal tonight uh absolutely no excuse to not get a hit until the fourth inning tonight and uh what was it the sixth inning against glass now like come on man you gotta you gotta do something i know we're hurting but this is still a pretty good offense you gotta do something this just it it pulls out my heart and just stops on it just all these years i i said it before this is like the guy that treats you so wrong and you just decide to leave, and then you always go running back. And I do it every night. I imagine doing it for 162 nights this year. This relationship is so exhausting. I don't even know how to handle it anymore. It's been rough. Uh, let me let me do the intro first. This is episode 70 of the Bleacher Creatures podcast presented by Elite Sports New York, Crossing Broad, and Warwick Gaming. As always, brought to you by Rivercrest NYC. And as you can probably tell by now, Alice and Case and I have not been particularly happy with the, low, with the way the last two weeks have gone for the New York Yankees. I mean, to be completely blunt, I'm, I'm sad. It's, it's been sad. It's been really testing my faith right now. I mean, to be completely honest, I'm just trying to be as honest as possible here. Okay, so this is what I'm telling you. I am having a hard time. Absolutely. And I mean, even, even looking back to the Mets series, man, it was, we came out with three of five, but we only really earned one of those games. There was absolutely no reason we should have won either game on Sunday. That was in my notes today is the fact that there was, there were definitely uh, times where the New York Yankees did not earn the opportunity to win versus the Mets. And that's very, very sad to look at. I mean, the Rays, totally different team. They are on fire. They're a great team in general. It's just the Yankees could not make any mistakes, and that's all they've done this entire series is make mistakes. Yeah, I mean, what was it, Sunday, the first game? It was a, a two-to-one win on a wild pitch from former legend Dellen Batanzas. Like, that's, that's just not how you're supposed to play the Mets. You're supposed to score a lot of runs against the Mets. Well, the other thing, too, is that came after, I believe, and I could correct me if I'm wrong, a very, very strong outing from Jay Happ. Um, was that Jay Happ's game? Um, or was that yeah, Michael I, King's game? I honestly, I can't even remember anymore because this, the, the past week and a half has been so frustrating with getting swept by Tampa two weeks ago and then getting the Mets series postponed. Um, the Braves was fine, I guess. You know, it's whatever with that. And then, you take three of five from the Mets, but you look bad the entire way. And now we're about to lose another series to Tampa down five, nothing right now. And God only knows how it's only the fifth inning. I mean, I feel like I've been watching this game for two weeks. So let's open up about the hot topic of the week, which is the Tampa Bay Rays and the New York Yankees rivalry, which this year, the Boston Red Sox Yankees rivalry is non-existent. In the past couple of years, it has also been non-existent. But now this whole Rays thing is popping up, and it really came to a head last night, and it was very interesting and scary at the same time. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of tough to figure out. Because first of all, we know Masahiro Tanaka didn't throw at somebody intentionally. 
he absolutely hit Joey Wendell by accident. Masahiro Tanaka wouldn't harm a hair on a butterfly's head. That he's just the nicest guy in the entire world. There's no way that he would intentionally hit somebody with a baseball. As far as Araldish Chapman goes, uh, he very well might hit somebody with a baseball. And I don't, I can't say for sure whether it was intentional or not. The only person who's going to know if the 101 mile per hour fastball at what was it, Brousseau's head? Mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. His head. Yeah, Mike Brousseau. Yeah. God only knows if that was intentional. If it was, that is a big time scumbag move. You just, there's just no place for that in the game today. We're trying to get past these unwritten rules where, you know, five years ago, I would have said, yeah, you got to stick up for your player and you got to throw at somebody. Now I'm like, just win the game, man. Just win the game and everything's going to be fine. You know what? Everyone on Yankees Twitter was responding to me because I posted and said, you know, if you're looking forward to tonight's game because you're expecting a brawl, go away. Like, I don't want to talk to you. That is not the type of energy that I want. Um, and you shouldn't be rooting for your team to get in a fight with another team. That's just no, ridiculous. especially the Yankees right now with everybody who's already on the injured list. Like, who are we going to call up if we get like three or four guys suspended for five games? Who do we have left? There's nobody left. But here's the other thing is people were responding and they said, well, you know, they have to show the Rays they mean business. I'm like, how about they just fucking win? Yeah. Let's not (laughs) mince words here. The Tampa Bay Rays have had our number all year, all year. Last night was our second win against them the entire season. There is clearly a better team than the Yankees in the AL East right now. And it's the Tampa Bay Rays. Now they haven't played us at full strength yet besides at the trap at the trap which is the place we want to burn down. Um, so you don't really know for sure. Maybe the Yankees get everyone back healthy and you kind of you kind of figure it out and maybe you win a couple games, maybe you split. But, I mean, the Rays are obviously a dangerous team. And right now the Yankees don't have a lot of room to do trash talking because they're destroying us this year. They're not just, like, winning games. They're making us look foolish. Tyler Glass now, no hitting us six innings. Fucking – Charlie Morton tonight, no hitting us four innings. We can't get a single hit. I mean, in Glasnow's defense, he looked phenomenal. Too oh, he was good. Day. He, he was, was good. just dealing. But honestly, the whole situation that occurred um, on what's today, Wednesday, so Tuesday night's game, um, after after the final pitch, of course, you know, everyone getting getting all up in each other's business, and Kevin Cash coming out with the most absurdly disgusting comments I've ever seen. And I have, I have quotes for anyone who missed it. I'm sure no one did, but um, calling the Yankees saying they were quote, poor with their judgment, poor coaching, poor teaching, unquote. And then also saying quote, and the last thing I'll say on it is I've got a whole damn stable full of guys who throw 98 miles an hour period, which is a threat. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We're, we're just going on this whole rant about how you're not supposed to be doing that anymore. And we just, you can't throw at guys with 98 mile per hour fastballs anymore. You just can't do it. Ooh, early cat appearance. Yeah, I know. She hasn't come the past couple of times. So this is good. Hello, kitty. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's just that quote was, it, that was the thing that really set me off last night where it's say whatever you want, say that was intentional. He should probably get suspended, you know, whatever, but then don't come back at the Yankees. Cause you've been doing the same thing. You've been throwing up and in on a lot of players. DJ LeMahieu had two home runs last night, and then he almost catches one in the ear hole. So don't act all high and mighty 
because you guys are doing the same thing. And you started this shit two years ago. Right. You started this shit when you hit Austin Romine. And then we had the CC Sabathia. That's for you, bitch, which was fantastic. You knew CC was going to throw it at somebody, lighten him up with all 90 miles per hour of that fastball at age 38. But it's just like you started this. You want to be the rival so badly. The Rays just, they want to be our rival so badly. And for the most part, I don't think about them at all. I just so, don't. I mean, I, I, and I've said this too, like, I totally understand where the Rays are coming from. You know, they're 26 in the payroll. They, they really don't pay their players a lot. You know, it's, it's not like the Yankees who are currently in 2020, number one in the payroll. Um, but they've dominated the Yankees this year and they just, they want to be respected. And I get that, but there are so many different ways to do it by playing a clean game and just crushing the Yankees. Like I would respect them. I despise them right now, but that's only because they're kind of assholes. But like, if they were just kind of like, Hey, come out here, play the game, win the game. I'm like, damn, I got respect for these guys. Absolutely. I have nothing but respect for the way the Rays go about their business from a team building standpoint. Um, Obviously I like to spend money on players because I think players should get paid what they're due. Uh, But the Rays found a way to find value in players who are otherwise undervalued and they make the most out of their very minimal, minimal payroll. And it's just, that's great. They were a great team, but I have never once not a single time in my entire life thought of the Tampa Bay Rays as a rival until this week. And now I'm like, you know what? Fuck those guys. Well, here's the other thing too. I think it was a, it was a such a beautiful coincidence. Like, like the universe is sending a sign to us that Amber Sabathia posted on Instagram yesterday that um, it was a picture of her and Cece meditating. And she was like, reconsidering retirement question mark. And I was like, this is perfect. Yeah, the one guy we really need to come back. If we're going to hit somebody, we need CC back on a one-day contract. Yeah, but the other thing, too, is, like, the Rays literally wait until Aaron Judge is on the IL, CC Sabathia is gone, and they're like, okay, no major threats that can beat us up? Good. Let's go with it. And then yeah. they decide. <laughs> Let's just triple-team Luke yeah. Voigt, and then we'll just match up the rest of the way. Triple-team Luke Voigt. Uh, Tyler Glass now is a pretty big guy, according to Google. I just – I don't see it. Google says he's 6'8". I still just don't see it. He just looks like a normal-sized person. I don't get it. Eh, well, I'm not sure either. But, yeah, I mean, that was obviously the biggest story of the week, and that just literally happened last night. So it's a good thing we didn't podcast last night because we would have oh, missed, missed it. We would have missed thing. it. Um, but, I mean, just kind of like getting into like a recap of the week, of course. Um, you know, the big thing was, they played the Mets in a in an unprecedented five game series this weekend, where they played double headers, a single game, and then two more double headers. Got swept in the first first double header, which wasn't the best. The Yankees literally could not hit. Um, but then they started to pick it up. So Saturday, um, of course, they had Jay Happ, who pitched seven plus innings, no walks, five Ks. Thoughts, James, because we discussed this last week, and I believe you told me, and I quote, this is going to be the Jay Happ that gets kicked off the roster, unquote. Please elaborate. Absolutely. It's, it's kind of pissing me off that Jay Happ is pitching well, because I, 
the Yankees are really going to end up having no choice but to let his option vest. And I just – I don't trust Jay Happ to be the guy who – oh, they just threw inside on DJ LeMayhew. I don't like that. 95 right on the hands. Not ideal. Um, but I don't, I don't like that Jay Happ might be on this roster next year getting paid $17 million. I think it limits what the Yankees can do in free agency with a, a pretty shallow free agent pitching class. So they might have to overpay um, Tanaka, which I'm fine with. Uh, give Tanaka all the money in the world. I don't want him going anywhere. Uh, James Paxton, they might have to pay a little bit extra. And it's just, there's not a lot of great pitchers out there. We're not getting Trevor Bauer. Let's, I mean, let's put that out in the universe right now. Just make sure everybody knows the New York Yankees are not going to sign Trevor Bauer. They just signed Garrett Cole to a major contract and Garrett Cole fucking hates Trevor Bauer. So they're just not going to do it. Not so going to work. It's not either, work, yeah, it's Tanaka, it's Paxton. I mean, there's just not a lot of options out there. You're right. I mean, and I, I said this too in an article um, that I wrote just after the trade deadline. So many people were like, Yankees have to make a trade. Yankees have to make a trade. They just have to. And in a shortened 60-game season with Aaron Judge coming back towards the end of the season, Giancarlo Stanton, you know, coming back. Who knows when he's coming back? But you've got a thin outfield. You can't trade Clint Frazier. And you're going to have to trade Clint Frazier if you want anything of substance. Because the entire league knows that the New York Yankees need starting pitching help, which honestly, this week, they didn't really until Garrett Cole came to the mound. Weirdly enough. Oof. Go figure. Yeah, this, this was a rough one for Garrett Cole this it week. It was a rough one. But I mean, looking back at the trade deadline, so many people were like, oh yeah, let's go get Clevenger. Well, first of all, besides the fact that he's kind of a doucher, like, let's be real. Um, you know, he's a very good pitcher. Absolutely. But the haul that San Diego had to give to him. We could not match game. that. We could no not way. match that. No way. In fact, you would have to delve deep into the system and you might even have to give up Debbie Garcia and Clark Schmidt and Clint Frazier. Like you might have to give up a package that big if you're looking for Mike Clevenger. So didn't make any sense for the New York Yankees to make a trade. I know a lot of people wanted them to make a trade, but to be real, there was no realistic option for them. Yeah, the weird thing about this trade deadline is because because of the expanded playoffs, way more teams are still in the hunt. Um, so the teams that are at the very bottom of the barrel, are the teams that are selling, and there's just not as many of them. So you're mm -hmm. looking at the Texas Rangers, you're looking at the Red Sox, you're looking at the Pirates, and you're saying, all right, like, who's got starting pitchers for us? And the Indians are an outlier because they still have, even losing Clevenger, they still have one of the best rotations in the league. They're right. an outlier. Um, and they wanted Clevenger off the team because the team hated him after his coronavirus stunt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that was – the trade deadline itself was very peculiar. Obviously, San Diego went all in, which I'm sure that, you know, you have more to say at some point too. Um, but, yeah, the Yankees, they needed to stay put, and I'm glad they didn't make some ridiculous trade just because they, they had to make a trade. Um, even looking at someone like Lance Lynn, um, the Rangers obviously know what type of value he has, and they're not just going to give him away for Miguel Andujar. They're not going to do no. that. No, Miguel Andujar is not playing well. Nobody wants him. There's no value there. His value has never been lower than it is right now. And right. you can't. And, you just yeah. throw it in there because you know his name. And just Yankees fans, 
I don't, this might be all baseball fans, but Yankees fans in particular have this crazy notion that because they think a trade is fair in their head, it makes the trade either real in reality or it means that no other team can possibly top the package that the Yankees can offer. And the Yankees don't have a lot of mid-range prospects guys in, in single A, double A, who you can see and say, that guy is going to be on a major league roster. They have Clint Frazier, they have Davey Garcia, they have Clark Schmidt. All three guys are probably going to be contributors in 2020. The only reason Clark Schmidt hasn't pitched three, four games already is because they don't want to add him to the 40 man. Just because they don't want to pay him. They don't want to pay him. And it just, it just yeah. drives me crazy to see the, the wild trade proposals. And we talked about this with Max last week because they just show no knowledge of what teams are looking for, what teams have available, what teams can afford to lose and what they really need to gain. It's just, they say, I know this name, I know this name, I know this name. So that's, that's a trade right there. That's a trade. It I just think doesn't the work like that. Biggest fault is that so many people just say, well, it's the Yankees. So whatever package they put together, someone's going to want it. That's, I'm That's sorry. the That's opposite of the truth. Nobody wants to get fleeced by Brian Cashman. Right. And so many people have already gotten fleeced by Brian Cashman. I'm sure they're careful about it. You know, people are going to be like, oh, well, Miguel Andujar, you know, he's a 2017 runner up for rookie of the year. Like, that's a big name. That's someone we want to put out there. Yeah. Well, what did he do in 2018? Injured himself, had surgery. What did he do in 2019? Or maybe I'm mistaken. Yeah. 2018 rookie year. 2019 got hurt. 2019. What did he do in 2020? He's done nothing. Shit. And it's yes. not like... Oh, Allison guys. cursed! Allison oh, cursed! Listen, yes, I, I gotta tell you, I mean, looking at the stats and just everything in general, it's like these people don't think that people are looking at these stats. They're like, oh, the scouts, they won't know. They won't know, absolutely. Like, they won't know what he did in 2020, but they'll remember what he did in 2018. No, that's, I'm sorry. That's not how it works. Like, yeah, and even oh. if, if you look at Miguel Andujar, Max was really big on this train. I didn't want to believe it. But he outperformed his expected stats by so much. Mm -hmm. And Max was always saying, you know, it's not to say that he can't continue to do this. Some guys just consistently outperform their expected stats. And then he just came back down to earth and got even worse because now he's not even getting regular at-bats. So how do you expect him to get in a rhythm? He's a black hole defensively, no matter where he plays on the field. We tried the left field experiment, and you could see immediately – that he didn't know what he was doing out there. He just didn't know. You can't just put somebody in left field and say they're athletic, they'll get it. It just doesn't work like that. And then on the flip side, you get Clint Frazier, who's actually playing really great defense. You say, well, Clint Frazier's hitting. Stop, Clint Frazier's playing later. great defense. Stop. We'll that's talk about it. We'll talk later. about it. But, I have a list. Yeah. But then you say, you know, why do we even put Miguel Andujar out there? Because he's not giving us anything at the plate. He's not giving us anything in the field. And you just expect that other teams aren't going to see that, that the Yankees don't even want Miguel Andujar. And you're going to say, well, let's just throw this guy in for a trade for Clevenger. Like one of the best starting pitchers in the league who the Indians don't want to trade him to the Yankees. They know he's a good pitcher. The Yankees are in the American League. Why would they want to do that? All right, I'll give you a hint. This is just like a, a rule of thumb to go by, let's say. If the Yankees are making a trade and they are, it's a big trade, like for a big player, and they are getting rid of people you don't care about, it's not a good trade. It's not a good trade proposal, okay? 
you have to give up something that you really want in order to get something that you really want. That's how it works. Yeah. Well, you think when, when Brian Cashman calls other GMs, they're like, oh, it sounds like I'm getting the better deal, like the better end of this deal. No. When an, an opposing GM gets a call from Brian Cashman saying, hey, what do you think about this Luke Voigt guy? You know what the Cardinals do? They look back and say, what did we miss? What did we miss that Brian Cashman wants this guy and he's willing to give us two major league relievers? What did we miss? Is this guy a superstar? He ended up being a superstar. But the Cardinals really needed two relievers. One of them was Chase and Shreve, so that didn't work out too well for them. Uh, but Giovanni Gallegos, he's great. He wasn't that great for us, but the Cardinals saw him and they're like, I think we can get more out of this guy. And they did. Yeah. I mean, the other thing too, kind of like going into the recap of this week, you know, literally the day before the trade deadline, um, the Yankees brought out uh, Debbie Garcia and he crushed it. He oh, looked so incredible, good. incredible first start. Uh, the, I mean, the biggest thing was just his composure on the mound. He looked like he's been pitching in the big leagues for eight years already and the stuff was fantastic. The fastball was located well. That curveball is absolutely devastating. Uh, that he is going to be, he should be a regular, you know, fifth starter. Probably going to end up being like our third best starter by the end of the year, statistically wise, the way it's going. Um, but no, he I was mean, he, he pitched, was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, he was he was part of the doubleheader, so obviously seven inning games, which both of them um, on Sunday ran late um, because they both went into extra innings. But uh, six innings pitched, four hits, six strikeouts. Really, really impressive debut for him. I was I was enthralled, and the fact that he's just twenty one, and you hear the story right before the game start that Eric Kratz called him his son and has been calling him his son since like the very beginning just warmed my heart. That was so funny. Made me love it all even more. Like it was so adorable. I have, I, I'm just, I loved that. That was fantastic. I do have a ricochet shot for Eric Kratz. Um, Is it about the headband? No, but the headband is ridiculous. <laughs> it looks absurd. You know uh, what? Listen, people, if he wants people to wear headbands to keep hair out of their head. If he wants to go all Tiger King on us, let him do it. I'm fine with it as long as he keeps Debbie Garcia under a close watch and helps him be the pitcher he should be. Totally fine with that. My ricochet shot with him was that people are blaming Gary Sanchez for Garrett Cole not being that good. And that's just... Oh, it's the laziest take in the world. They're calling for Kratz to be his personal catcher. Garrett Cole loves Gary Sanchez. He loves Listen, him. I'm a big, big, I know a lot of people don't approve of it. I love the personal catcher aspect because I understand there are some pitchers, <clears throat> Mike Mucina, who just like need that mentally. And I'm totally okay with that. I get it. Like, it's it's not a shot against – it wasn't a shot against Jorge Posada or anything like that. It was just like a, hey, listen, this is what I need to be a good pitcher. And Jorge Posada should be A-okay with that because, like, Mucina's given you seven, potentially eight innings of work, potentially going into the ninth inning and being incredible. I'm a big proponent of the personal catcher. However, yeah, in there's, case, there's a lot to that. This is way too soon to be like, yep, he needs a personal catcher. And you know what? If he had a problem with Gary Sanchez, the way that he's approached the media and said all these things, I feel like he would let them know at this point, maybe not directly, but maybe like an undertone, you know, snide type thing. 
And I feel like that might be a thing that would you would be able to read between the lines with. Yeah, well, reading between the lines right now, not even reading between them, just the lines themselves. Garrett Cole goes above and beyond to praise Gary Sanchez every single chance he gets. That's just not something he would do if he didn't like Gary Sanchez catching for him. It's just not what would happen. So I don't know. Gary caught a good game today. Not like Gary's fantastic. His play calling is great. I think we're working really well together. He wouldn't say those things because he wouldn't believe them. Exactly. So I think a lot of people are just kind of like getting it in their head that first of all, they're managers, they're Twitter managers, especially. They know what's best. They know how to fix Garrett Cole because God forbid we signed Garrett Cole for all these years and he's going to suck. I mean, first of all, the other thing, the New York Yankees should more than be able to score four runs in an, in an outing, in an inning, for God's sake. Like, this is something that they should be able to do. And they're not doing it. So, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, honestly, yeah. your starting pitchers are going to struggle sometimes. And the fact of the matter is the New York Yankees have one of the best offenses in baseball for a reason. If their pitchers are struggling and they've given up four, potentially five runs, that should be no problem for the Yankees. It shouldn't be, but it is. Yeah, that's, that's my other major complaint about Yankees Twitter this week. We love, 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 love to go out and sign these huge, huge names. And then the second they start performing the way they usually perform, like, what the heck is this? I thought this Garrett Cole guy never allowed a hit. Where's this Houston Cole? Where's, where's Houston Astros' Garrett Cole? Because that guy never allowed any hits, right? It's just, that's not how baseball works. And you just immediately out yourself as somebody who either only watches the Yankees or doesn't watch at all, and you just follow along on Twitter. It's just, that's not how baseball works. The best pitchers in the game still give up runs. Jacob deGrom, who, I mean, we've both held for the longest time. Jacob deGrom is better than Garrett Cole. It's 1A and 1B, but... Jacob DeGrom is 1A. Even DeGrom gives up runs. That's why he had so many losses his first mm-hmm. year of the Cy Young. What was he, 10 and 9? Like yeah, nine losses so. with an under 2 ERA? Like It's the offense. You have to blame the offense this season because they're not producing anything for us. The starting pitchers aren't getting any help at all. So it looks way worse when Garrett Cole gives up three solo homers and the Yankees lose the game 3-1. to one. It looks a million times worse than if he gave up three solo homers, which if you watched Garrett Cole literally anywhere else he played, you know that he's prone to the home run ball because he throws the four-seam fastball high. And if you can get under that four-seam fastball high, you're going to hit it out. It's really easy to if you know it's coming. And it's just you don't watch. You don't know what you're talking about. Everybody gives up home runs. With Garrett Cole, you say, all we want to do is make sure he's giving up solo home runs instead of two-run shots, three-run shots, God forbid the grand slam, and then hope that your offense can get you three runs. Three. That's all we're asking for. One every third inning. It's not a lot of runs for this offense. Oh, did Clint Frazier just get one? Oh, off the foul pole. Clint Frazier with a solo home run, so we won't be shut out today. Not watching, but he was going to be my next topic of conversation is some impressive Yankees that we've seen. And Clint Frazier's defense has gotten astronomically better. And people are like, oh, maybe he actually is good at defense. And it's really pissing me off because I saw some really incredible, not only great plays, but heads up plays by Clint Frazier. And I'm 
so, so, so happy and so excited for him because this is the mo- this is his moment. This is this is our Clint Frazier victory lap. We've been saying since his defensive struggles started, this is because of the concussion. He was never a terrible defender before he had that horrible concussion sprinting into the left field wall in spring training. And it, that ruined two years of this guy's life where he was still suffering from concussion symptoms. And you saw that in the outfield when he wasn't reading the balls right. He got great jumps on the ball. He has a strong arm. He's fast. You have all the tools to play defense, but you're just not, you're mentally, you're just not there. And now that he's, he says concussion symptoms are totally gone, all of a sudden he's making great diving plays. He's reading the balls really well. Um, I saw a stat somewhere. I don't remember what the stat was, but comparing Clint Frazier's 2019 uh, jumps and initial burst to his 2020 jump and initial burst. He went from like below average, not bottom of the barrel, but below average on those two stats to one of the best in the league in them. So he's, I mean, he's reading the ball off the bat immediately and he's using his speed to get to the ball. He's making great diving plays. I mean, you cannot, I could not possibly be happier for him because he deserves this so much after everything he's been through. I think probably the most impressive play for me was, um, I don't remember which Mets game it was, but I believe there was a single to the gap. It was probably should have been a double. And he made that freaking diving stop just to keep it to a single. That was incredible because you had center field, I think it was Brett Gardner at the time, running over to get the backup. So regardless, that was going to be a double. If he could potentially stop that and make it a single, so, so much better. And I thought that was obviously, you know, it's not something you see all the time. You see a lot of people just kind of let it go to the wall, you know, handle it from the wall. It's a double. But he made the extra effort to make sure that he could hold that runner at first base. And I was very, very impressed. But I think what impressed me the most is the way that he dives. He lands really hard. And literally all the dives he has made so far would land Aaron judge on the IL for the rest of his life. Like seriously. I mean, the, the air that he had the other night on his just diving catch, like he literally did a belly. Flop he he laid gas. out. He fully he laid out. Did he Full gave send. It all and he's fine. So I'm like, at the same time, I'm like Aaron judge, yo, take some notes. Come on, man. Yeah. That, that, Brings me back to when Aaron Judge first came up and you realize like, oh, this guy's like a gold glove caliber defender. CC Sabathia told me like, hey, man, like we know you can make those diving plays, but you just got to just take it a little easy out there. We'd rather give up a single than lose you for two to three weeks because you dive for a ball and you and you twist your wrist or something. You're just too important to the offense of this team to be out there trying to save one base. Clint Frazier, at this point, he's that important to the offense of the team. Uh, but he still, in his mind, has so much to do to prove that he's a good defender. And that that play you referenced earlier where he saves uh, a double, turns it into a single, that's such a heads-up play that you would not have seen Clint Frazier make last year because you understand where you are in the field. You know you have a great center fielder behind you coming to back you up. You know that you can just fully lay out for this ball and give it everything you have just to maybe possibly get a glove on it. And even if you miss it, you know, they're going to get the double anyway, because Brett Gardner is behind you. So you just in your mind, you know, I'm going to fully lay out. I might be able to keep this only a single and worst case scenario. It's the double that this guy probably deserved to hit. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the the whole idea of the play too for me that made it that much better was the fact that like you could tell it was a it was a comfort thing for him. Like he knew where he felt comfortable where he was on the field. He's played that position quite a few games at that point. Like and he knew that Brett Gardner, the way Brett Gardner plays, Brett Gardner had his back all the way. And that's trust on trusting your teammates, but also being smart about the play and really trying to, you know, hold someone to a single as opposed to having a runner in scoring position. Um, I'm not sure what the, the outs were at that point in the game, but I do know that he really really made a smart play and a lot of people are like oh he was just showing up he saved a run i know he saved a run when yeah, he did that for sure for sure so i'm super impressed with clint frazier obviously now his offense um like we said quickest hands in the game um i want to do a stat check on all across the mlb those players that are everyday players that wear masks i want to see what their batting average is Absolutely, because then we'll just be able to prove to everybody that if you wear a mask, it's not going to change literally anything. If Clint Frazier can hit bombs down the left field line at Yankee Stadium with a mask on, then you can wear one for 15 minutes in the grocery store without having a full Karen meltdown. Or the other thing is, if he can hit bombs down the left field line while wearing a mask, and he hits better while wearing a mask, maybe everyone wears masks, huh? Uh -huh. Hey, just keep wearing the mask, even next year, if if... God willing, God willing, we have a coronavirus vaccine or a cure or whatever, some kind of treatment. Clint Frazier's like, you know what? I've been playing really good defense and I've been hitting really well with the mask on. I think I'm just going to keep doing it. This could be the highlight of the CDC's year. They'd be like, oh my God, people are playing better baseball when they're wearing masks. Perfect. Don't give me that face. I'm not streaming the game right now. No, it's just, the at-bats have been so bad. Watch oh, yeah, Mike sure. Mike Tockman had the hottest start out of anybody on the Yankees this year. And oh boy, did he hit the skids. I mean, he his OPS sure. is down to like 650 now. And he just he watched the ball 93 mile per hour fastball go right down the middle on 01 and then watched another fastball. I mean, it was on the outside corner, but from a left hander, I mean that looks like a strike the entire way. And you're just you're just praying that maybe it drifts a little too far outside on O2. Like, come on. And that's not a competitive at bat. They're just not, they don't look like they have a plan at the plate right now as an offense. They don't. I mean, their plan has always been uh, a bloop and a blast or just a blast. I mean, that's essentially how they've scored the majority of their runs, except for Gio Urshela, who's also my positive person um, for this week because he had the walk-off single, which I watched in the car in the Wegmans parking lot and apparently had a really hilarious reaction to it. Yeah. Um, not, as, not as hilarious to um, oh, the Dellen Batanza's wild pitch one. When you, I mean, you did the full, like, I'm setting my phone down on the dresser. It's going to be oh, on yeah. record. We're going to totally get the prepared. entire thing for this. I mean, that was, that was maybe the funniest video I've ever seen. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Gio Urshela had that walk-off hit, walk-off single, which obviously the Yankees uh, probably didn't earn that game either. But, Definitely you know, whatever, not. it's fine. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then he also had the freaking swim move uh, yesterday which was absurd that, well, I would call it a, technically it's probably a double in two errors. Let's be completely honest, right? Yeah, he had no business scoring on that. Right, exactly. But heads up play, um, really heads up slide, knowing where the ball was, knowing where the catcher was, 
and scoring, incredible. I just, I love Gio Urshela. I can never say enough positive things about Gio. I think he's just phenomenal. Absolutely. Uh, and I don't know, do you have anything else on Gio Urshela? Because I want to talk about my next positive, DJ LeMayhew. Oh, I missed him so much. He brings, I mean, he's been doing most of the production for the offense. Him and Luke Voigt have been doing almost everything themselves. Gio's been, he's been okay. He's been slumping a little bit, but he's gotten the big hits when it counts. Uh, Brett Gardner now stepping up to the plate with a 649 OPS. That's pretty ugly. That's not, not ideal. Not ideal. Oh man. I know. I know. Okay. Listen, I understand. I, I get it. I understand that Brett Gardner probably should be on the bench, but at the same time, we don't have anyone else. We don't have (laughs) anyone. You don't have anything. However, I will say that this weekend I was watching a little bit more baseball because I finally had a weekend where I could literally do nothing but watch baseball. Oh, fantastic. I feel like his swings and his approach had gotten slightly better. Um, Just for for the record, as you're, as you're saying, his approach is getting better. He watches a 94 mile per hour fastball go down the middle for strike one. Well, that's typical, though. Like, you know that's going to happen, which obviously it shouldn't because at this point you just got to be like, hello, I know there's a fastball coming right down the middle for strike one because everyone knows I'm not going to swing. You have to be geared up for that. You have to be geared up for the first pitch fastball. Listen, I told you I get it, okay? I understand. Now, DJ LeMayhew, we go back to him. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I thought you were going to say something about him. Do I have to say something about him? No, no, no. I got. I mean, two home runs. What was that yesterday? Two home runs, and then he he caught that high and end fastball. That's pretty weird. But it's just, it's so nice to have him back in the lineup because he hits with runners in scoring position. He hits when there's nobody on base. He's just got. He puts the ball in play and he just makes things happen. Right. And having having him back is in front of Luke Voigt, no less, who has been the hottest hitter in baseball for the last two weeks. Right, exactly. I mean, looking at, oh, Brett Gardner. Hello. He beat out. Oh, did he beat out a hit? I'm not sure. There's replay now. Sorry, now I'm streaming the game because Brett Gardner. "Mm, What's up? Yeah, Um, it's a tight one. Yeah, it definitely is close. Did they call him safe or did they call him out? I missed that part. Okay. Because I was going to say, if they called him safe, I don't think you can overturn it. If they called him out, you can't overturn it either. It's one of those where it's like so close that there's really not enough evidence to over. I think, I think he's out anyway. It's a commercial now. Okay. Regardless. Um, so yes, DJ LeMayhew, really great to have him back in the lineup, just his presence in general. Um, he, he's done some awesome. I just love DJ LeMayhew, like extend the man. I, I don't understand why. I, I do understand why he hasn't been extended. I will push for them to extend DJ LeMayhew. And I think if they don't extend him or give him a nice contract during free agency, they're making a huge, huge mistake. Absolutely. He's definitely waiting it out until free agency now. I mean, you're, what, a month and a half away from the end of the season. At this point, there's no reason to, unless the Yankees offer you a more than generous extension, there's no reason that you should be considering taking an extension and not at least testing your your free agent market with the last two years where last year he was an MVP candidate and this year he's doing more of the same he could win a batting title this year um I think he's either close to qualifying or he has qualified after his IL stint so I'm pretty sure he's in the lead so an MVP caliber season and then a batting title caliber season like he's gonna get paid yeah for sure 
Um, you know, I, I want to talk about uh, something that I witnessed because I, I usually watch the games on the Yes Network. However, I listened to that game in the car, like I told you guys about. Um, so I listened to that first doubleheader game in the car. It was the Yankees' first taste of extra innings baseball. So obviously you start with the runner on second. Real weird, like, we've talked about this before. We don't like it, right? Hate that's, it. Hate that's it. Where we're at. Okay, perfect. So much. Hate it so much. Well, guess who else hates it? John Sterling and Susan. Susan Waldman. Thank you. I love Susan Waldman so All much. Right? So Susan was actually the more vocal one on this whole matter. So I'm listening to it on the radio. I love listening to John and Susan. They're just, the two of them, they're just incredible together. I just love it. It's, it's old school baseball. I just love it. Absolutely. So, Speaking of which, I did see an article this week pop up from somewhere that says yeah. John Sterling should not be in the Yankees booth anymore because he didn't know what fan graphs was. Get out of here. John Please Sterling John Sterling is going to die in the booth. He is a national treasure. He's, like he's going to be enshrined in, I would say the Hall of Fame, but I want to say something more. Radio like, Hall of Fame. They have a Radio Hall of Fame. No, I was going to say something even better. Like the statue. Museum of Natural Give him a statue. History. Okay. Museum of Natural History, for sure. Um, yeah. So Susan started talking about how Brett Gardner started out on second base. And I believe Gary Sanchez was up to bat and he popped up. And basically the, the argument that John said, he goes, hey, listen, like, what's the deal? Why aren't they, you know, attempting to at least, you know, ground to the right side or bunt? And obviously, you know, Gary Sanchez is not going to beat out a bunt hit, but if he bunts it to the right-hand side and Brett Gardner gets a good enough jump, very possible that he could make it to third with one out. Yeah, I don't know and, if Gary Sanchez has ever been asked to bunt in his yeah, entire career. Not. Right. And Susan, with the most sass I have ever heard in my entire life, just goes, John, I have no clue. I mean, I'm just clueless here. Like, I, I, I don't even know what to do. I don't. <laughs> like, she was exasperated. And she basically said, she goes, well, it's just not the way that they want it done nowadays. I mean, if it was going to have a benefit analytically, sure. But like, yeah, you ask me, I say yes. You ask them, there's no way. She's like, I don't know why. So poor Susan is in the booth, just confused as hell. Stop confusing Susan and do the right thing. Absolutely. I love Susan Waldman. I want to replace Meredith Morakovitz as her best friend. Uh, that's really my, my true life's goal. Why I got into sports journalism in the first place, uh, just so I can get to a point where I can be Susan's best friend instead of Meredith. Uh, but they are really, yeah. really good friends. I think, I honestly, I think the bunt situation is only going to work in the bottom of the inning. Cause if you're, if you're oh, yeah. the top of the inning, you don't want to give them that out. Cause you want to try to yeah. get it was the bottom three of runs. The yeah. Yep. So then in that case, I mean, Gary Sanchez might not even know how to really punt. He might be a terrible bunter because that is, sure. it is a skill to lay down a good bunt. It's, it's right. a skill that not a lot of, of power hitters have because at no point in their careers has anyone said, you know what, instead of swinging for the fences, why don't you just lay one down five feet out? No one's and done that before. That's the problem with Gary Sanchez is we've seen this, especially recently. He is either swinging for the fences or he's striking out. There's really no in between. Oh, he has that home rough. run swing at every single at bat. It's no more, you know, double the right center like he did during the 2017 ALCS. It's nothing like that. No, and it that just 
home run or bust. Yeah, that approach, it works for a guy like Joey Gallo, who Mm -hmm. he's only going to hit a home run, strike out, or walk. Those are the three true outcomes of baseball. That's all he does. It works for a guy like Joey Gallo because he knows how to to work a count, and he, he gets those walks. He does get walked a lot. But with Gary Sanchez, there are just so many holes in his swing right now, and he's just he's not seeing the ball well. He's swinging at things out of the zone. So he's trying to hit it 450 feet on, on pitches that he couldn't hit with a boat oar. Yeah, it's uh, – and, you know, he hit that grand slam the other night, and everyone's like, oh, my God, it's so great. I'm going to cheer for him again. And now they're all against him. It's just this whole – Gary Sanchez roller coaster with fans is it has to stop. Yeah, it it's, I'm, I'm done with it. I know honestly, I, we know Gary Sanchez is a good hitter. He's just not hitting well right now. And it's nothing, it's nothing that's innate about him. It's just that he's not doing the things that we know he can do. He's not getting to the fastballs. He's missing right. them. And those are the pitches. I mean, he's a great fastball hitter. And all of a sudden, 2020, he can't hit fastballs anymore. And that's where you're getting, that's where you're losing those outs and he, and he panics and he swings at bad pitches. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's ugly. Yeah. I mean, you can definitely tell that he, he starts to, starts to freak once he's get, getting behind in the count. He's really not good behind in the count. He will swing at anything. And if you're an opposing pitcher, that's exactly what you want to see. Like, oh yeah. You've, you've completely undressed Gary Sanchez the second you throw strike one. Right, exactly. Well, I mean, looking, even looking at like his stats just in general, obviously we talked about this at the beginning of the season, him and August, him and August are best friends, but this is such a weird season where technically August is in a way, you know, the month of April or May. Yeah, we don't and, really get, we don't get in August this year. Right, exactly. So instead, you, you're you really starting out at the beginning of the season. We weren't really sure how it was going to play out in the very beginning, if people would just jump right into the warmer months. But it seems that Gary Sanchez is is definitely playing off his, his March-April vibe, which is, you know, 207, 276, 531. Um, you know, it's it's not great. Um, and really, it seems that it's it's, like I said, home run or bust. Like, in his career, he's hit 16 home runs in the month of um, March, April. So, you know, he's just, right now, that's what he does. And then he settled into it. It's like Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole, actually, statistically, for the first 11 starts each season, he's, eh, okay. Once he hits that 12th start, once he gets warmed up, fully ready to go, he's usually pretty damn dominant. So it's just kind of one of those things that, this season was so strange in the way that it started and stopped and all that jazz that this is, this is what we're getting. So Gary Sanchez might not have a great season. He probably won't. Um, but honestly, what other option do you have at catcher at the moment either? Yeah, it's not, I don't want Kyle Higashioka behind the plate every day. I don't want Eric Kratz behind the plate every day. I'd, I'd rather live and die on Gary and say maybe today he gets that two-run shot that puts us over the edge because I'm really I'm just not expecting that much from Kratz and Higashioka offensively because I just don't think they're really capable of all that much def- uh, offensively. Yeah, so, I mean, what are you too. gonna do? What are you gonna do? Trade for G- JT Real Muto? It's not like the Phillies want him. Like, come on. Oh my god. Um, and the other thing too, like thinking about it too, this past week really showcased. Not sure what exactly it showcased, but the bullpen really, really sucks right now. 
Oh, it's it's been awful. I mean, it's, this is backwards they, Yankees. The offense is terrible. The bullpen is terrible, and the starters are pitching really well, except Garrett Cole. So let me tell you this: I just I remember watching Saturday's game with Jay Happ, super impressed. His first six batters, he started four of them out with an 0-2 count. Pretty damn good, right? Yeah. And he retired all of them. Um, he actually, I believe, faced um, just one batter over the minimum because he had a couple of hits given up, but people grounded out into double plays. You know, there were instances like that. So he apparently faced only one hitter above what he should have faced. Um, but Jay Happ, super excited, super proud, goes into the du- into the dugout. Everyone's like, should they have taken him out? Should they have not taken him out? Not really sure what the deal was there. We talked about that, James. I forgot yes. about I forgot about okay. this debate. That's okay. Um, so we discussed that a little bit, and then we're like, okay, Adam Adovino's coming in. No runners on, whatever. First batter hits a homer. Poor freaking Jay Happ in the dugout. You could just see the light just out of his face. Oh yeah, and they I'm panned like, right back to him. So Yankees had a one nothing lead, and then all of a right. sudden, Jay Happ's he's got the win locked up, and now all of a sudden he's got a no decision. Right, exactly. And the fact also is, you know, going into that inning and actually going into every inning, I was like, one run, one run is not enough. One run is not enough. One run is not enough. It is not. Um, but just like the way that happened was so deflating, just got to be so frustrating. And seeing it come from like Adam Ottavino, you know, you see Chad Green, who hadn't pitched in like 10 days, come out and give up four home runs in his last two outings like that. Yeah, you had to expect that. Right, exactly. But Adam Ottavino, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Something, something's not right. Obviously, you got Zach Britton back, which was a great. Um, he was able to, to pitch a scoreless inning last night, Tuesday night against the Rays, which was just what they needed um, to get over to Chapman. But I don't know, man. This The bullpen was supposed to be the strength, and right now they are floundering heavy. Yeah, and, and the debate that stemmed from that was absolutely preposterous. I mean, we know who we're talking about. Correct. We know. We're not, we're not going to say it for everybody else. We know yeah. who we're talking about where you just you have to turn it over to the bullpen at some point. You can't just leave J-Hap in there because he's pitching well with a one-run lead because guess what? One home run is all you need. Jay Happ is super prone to the home run ball, and now you're talking about he very well could have been the one to give up a home run to Wilson Ramos, and we'd be saying the exact opposite thing. Oh, we left Jay Happ in for too long. Like, right? yeah, he was pitching well, but you have to turn it to the bullpen eventually. You have to. Aaron Boone made the correct decision to go to the bullpen because that bullpen is supposed to be the strength you have Jay Happ, who hasn't really pitched or thrown that many pitches in his starts yet this season. It's a good point. You got two batters coming up that are pretty low average. Um, I believe I'm trying to remember who it wasn't Kiermeyer who hit the home run, was it? Um, Kiermeyer hit he hit one yesterday. I know. Yeah. Or, uh, no, I, was it yesterday or Monday? I oh, can't I'm sorry. Remember. This was against the Mets. Ooh. Yeah. I, I was confused about where you were going with that. It was Wilson okay, Ramos okay. who hit the home run. Yes. Okay. So Wilson Ramos hit the home run. You know, two batters that really hadn't been hitting that well this year. So you're and thinking, you Adam Adivino, right. You're thinking Adam Adivino is going to be dominant against these two. And of course, that's 
analytics and stats say that this is going to work. Sometimes it doesn't work. And right now the bullpen is just not working for the Yankees. I'm not sure if it's the whole seven inning thing because they've been playing so many different double headers. You've got pitchers coming in in the seventh inning, but really it's the ninth inning. Oh, they're gassed. No. They're gassed. Yeah. It's just, it's not great right now. And obviously that's something that was touted as a strength for the New York Yankees throughout uh, the off season. So you hope that it gets back to normal, but without Tommy Canely, I don't really know how much normal it can be. Yeah. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's just part of baseball. Sometimes you make the right decision and you just don't get the outcome you want. It was 2000% the right decision to go with Adam Adovino in that situation and Wilson Ramos just ran into one and hooked it down the line that stayed barely stayed fair. It hit the foul pole. I mean, you just barely get it out of there and say, well, Adam Adovino blew this. You should have left Jay Happ in the game. Well, you'd be saying the opposite because hindsight's twenty twenty. You'd be saying the opposite if you left Jay Happ in and he gave up the home run. And you say, you should have brought Adam Adovino in the game. Our bullpen is our strength. Right. I mean, this is something that you're looking at the stats. People always used to make fun of Joe Girardi because they're like, oh, he's playing by the binder. Well, sometimes you just have to do that. I yeah, mean, sometimes the binder the, is right. Right. Looking at the stats and looking at the dominance that Adam Adovino has and looking at the batting averages and the career numbers against him, it was the right decision. So very unfortunate. Um, but honestly, like I said earlier, I was super impressed with J-Hap. I've been super impressed with most of the starters. Um, Tanaka. I love my man Tanaka. Love Tank. You know, it's just, uh, it's such a very interesting time. And I feel like this happens during the regular season too, the 162 game seasons where the bullpen flounders and it struggles. But obviously in a shortened season, that's the last thing that you want. Everything is amplified right now. These, these kinds of streaks happen to every team in a 162 game season. I mean, you were looking at people putting out numbers like, well, here was the Marlins best 30 game streak last year. It was 17 and 13 this year. They are squarely in the playoffs with the 17 and 13. If you prorate that to 34 games and 26 games, you're squarely in the playoffs. And that's, I mean, that was one of the worst teams in baseball last year. And they still ran off that streak. Uh, the Yankees were, their worst streak was, I think, 17 and 13. So I mean, you're just going to run into these times where your team's not clicking and the offense isn't producing and the starting pitchers, maybe they're giving you good outings, but the bullpen is blowing it and the offense isn't helping you. It, but it, in this shortened season, 60 games, everything is amplified by a million because every game is that much more important. And at the end of the day, I think we just have to remember that as long as the Yankees make the playoffs healthy, none of this matters. It doesn't mean anything. Well, you said a key word in there, healthy. Um, healthy. You know, it sounds like Aaron Judge, they were originally saying September 23rd, my birthday, but I might have to put that one like in the calendar. You know, it's just ridiculous. Oh, what's today? Today's the day Aaron Judge comes back. Well, I thought it was your birthday. So, um, you know, that was the type of stuff I would definitely say and definitely do. In fact, probably shouldn't tell this story on this podcast. Go for it. Do it. Do it. The second you said you shouldn't tell it, you knew you had to. So I still celebrate my half birthday just, just for fun. You know, when it's like, oh my God, it's my half birthday. So my half birthday is March 23rd. However, um, I had the worst half birthday ever. Um, I don't remember what year it was. I'm sure we can look it up, but 
um, I literally cried to my parents and they're like, what's going on? It was like, today's the worst day ever. And they're like, what's wrong? I said, well, grandpa died and Derek Jeter went on the disabled list. <laughs> oh my God. What? But you know what? My grandpa would have been so proud of me because he was the one that taught me baseball. Oh my God. That was a bad day. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we're gonna roll back to him. Probably shouldn't have told this one on the podcast. I think we're gonna roll that back to that one. Uh, but that's my favorite story to tell because my grandpa just would definitely be so proud. He'd be like, "That's my girl. That's my girl." <laughs> Thinking of Derek Jeter on this on this day. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, Derek Jeter was on the disabled list." Like that was one of the highlight lines. You know how people have like a thirty second highlight video? That was one yeah. of my highlight lines. Oh yeah. boy. Um, yeah. All right. So I th- do you have any more Yankee stuff? <laughs> I don't. I don't. Okay. So we'll wrap up the Yankee stuff there then because it's been absolutely miserable to watch. And uh-huh. I honestly don't know how we just got an hour out of talking about the miserable to watch Yankees. Because there was actually a lot of stuff to discuss. I mean, in general, we, I think we did very well. And That's true. I guess there's more know- to talk about when things are going poorly than when things right. are going well. Exactly. Well, we all know James is part of Padres Twitter. I'm also part of Padres Twitter too, which is awesome. Um, Cause I actually looked up my Twitter today expecting to see super negative stuff. And all I saw were like four or five Padres stuff. And I was like, oh, this is nice. Um, it's a nice balance. I'm also, I'm also making um, an appeal to join White Sox Twitter. So if any White Sox fans out there or you know anyone that I could, you know, get in touch with to get involved in White Sox Twitter, I would like to be there because Luis Roberts, Danny Mendick, um, Gio, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, so someone's got to teach me. Gio, Gio, Gio uh, Yeah, Giolito. Lucas Giolito, yeah. Yes, okay, good. So I did pronounce it correctly. Okay. Um, yeah, so I mean, I'm looking to get involved in that too because honestly, life's too short. The season's too short. I need more baseball. Yeah, I would I would also join White Sox Twitter, but I was pretty critical of them when they thought that they could win the division this year. Uh, it turns out they're going to win the division this year. So I look like an asshole. Um, but they are a lot of fun to watch. I watch a lot of their games. And actually, that was the first thing I wrote down in what's going on around the Major League Baseball aspect of the podcast. The Padres and the White Sox are cleaning up at the Player of the Month Award, which might as well be the first half MVP. Uh, Fernando Tatis and Jake Cronenworth for the national league uh have been just jake cronenworth of all people was a throw-in for the tommy fam trade and tommy fam goes on the injured list and all of a sudden jake cronenworth is hitting you know 360 something it's been absolutely fantastic and on the other side for the american league luis robert for rookie of the month and uh, who won i think eloy jimenez was it him who won player of the month or no jose abreu jose abreu oh okay um yeah, but the, our, our secondary teams are cleaning up right now, Allison. Yeah, listen, I mean, I'm all for it. I'd love to learn more. So like I said, anyone knows any connections in White Sox Twitter, I want to be there. Um, like I said, biggest flex, went to high school with Danny Mendick. So, yeah. That's a flex. That's a flex, That's, all right. It's a flex. I am flexing. I have no muscles, but I'm flexing right now. <laughs> um, all right, then to wrap up MLB really quickly – 
the Padres won the trade deadline. Mitch Moreland, Trevor Rosenthal, and most of all, Mike Clevenger. And they didn't really give up too much of their farm system. It's still ranked third in Major League Baseball. So just really impressive job by A.J. Preller. Uh, the Red Sox bragged about rebuilding on Twitter got roasted for it immediately deleted the tweet but everyone obviously had those screenshots because screenshots are forever uh so the red sox are an absolute joke and finally vin scully joined twitter and that's just i mean i wish i i wish i knew vin personally so i could warn him that's just don't do this it's a trap don't do this (sighs) yeah it's uh it's been a weird one my friends um Trade deadline was weird. Everything was weird. This whole season is weird. Life is weird. I don't even know what else to say. I think you said it all right there. I think that's a perfect way to wrap it up. Yeah, I think so too. All right, everyone leave a five-star review about how weird the season is and maybe about how weird Allison is and maybe about how she probably shouldn't be telling so many stories on the podcast. Certain stories. Most of the stories are great, but certain stories are like, should have kept that one myself <laughs> no but listen like i said my grandfather would be very very proud of me and grandpa case like good dude he is the one that taught me all about baseball so for me i felt like i had to bring him into this into this podcast but also share this hilarious story it was, was very, very funny sad. it was a very funny story yeah i thought so all right so we will wrap it up there and we'll see y'all next week Okay, sounds good. Everyone stay healthy and watch the Yankees and make sure they win. Yes. See ya. Bye.